Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. Welcome to church this morning. I'm, uh, thank you, team. That was awesome. Did you wonder where the, the singing was coming from with John singing from the drums? <laughs> it's great to have Sarah and John here this morning from Ormo helping us, backing us because we've got a lot of people away this week. I hope you're having a, had a great week and I hope that next week's going to be even better. Actually, JRC at the back. We've got an announcement. Jay and her men have got engaged during the week. So, congratulations. <laughs> so, everybody go and swap them after the service. <laughs> Very proud man. You know what? I love the fact that you're stepping into God. I, I, I know where you've come from and I know where you're going to and I love the fact that you're stepping closer and closer and closer and setting up your life right the way you should be. You know, you're inspiration for us, so it's awesome. Awesome. Well, we're going to come around the Word this morning and it, it's, a, it's a different different message for me. This, is, this has got a lot of, and it's, hopefully it's not going to bore you. It's got a lot of facts, a lot of figures. Um, we're going to go through a lot of different areas. So if, if you want to, you can get out your phone and write some things down because... Like I said before, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to try and give a quick overview of a lot of things. So here's hopefully I can get this done real quick. And I don't get hung up too many times and go off track. And Yeah. Yeah. It's good to see everyone in the house. Well, I've, I've been having a lot of people reminding me about what today is. And a, a few... Uh, months ago, or quite a while ago, I was listening to a podcast, and this person was talking about the feasts. And they're talking about one feast, of course, which you probably know what that is. Does anyone know what today is? Sunday. Does anyone know what else today is? Does anyone know? Rosh Hashanah. Does anyone know it's Rosh Hashanah? Does anyone even know what that is? I know the women do because they looked at it on Thursday. Men, do you know what Rosh Hashanah is? No? Chocolate. No, it's not chocolate. It's not chocolate. Rosh Hashanah is one of the Jewish feasts. And it just so happened today, September the 25th, is the day this year where we celebrate this feast. And so I thought, okay, let's, let's go into a bit in the feasts and let's see what the feasts were like back in Jewish time. Let's have a look and see what Jesus accomplished during the feasts, and let's have a look and see what the future says about the feasts. So we're going to go really quickly. Um, like I said before, hopefully I can, I can articulate this well, and hopefully you're going to get it. Yeah. Well, can I, can I say the first thought? If anyone knew how to do a feast, it was the Jews. If anyone knew how to celebrate, it was the Jews. They weren't sullen when they had a feast, well, they were sullen in some moments, but it always ended up with joy. It always, it always ended up with, with having a table before them that was full of food. So I've, I've got a, a table here this morning with a, which I don't know if you can see it, you probably can't see it. Um, 
uh, with, with a whole lot of things on it which they used to celebrate Rosh Hashanah. Oops. <laughs> and uh, as a visual representation, but when they had a feast, they had a feast. It's like when you go out to the Sheraton and, and, and you paid your, how much is it now? $60, $100, whatever it is for a seafood smorgasbord. And so you've got to eat to get the value out of the, out of the money, and so you eat. Well, that's what it was like on their feasts. So this is the day, this is the day, there, there were actually four Jewish New Years. But after the Babylonian captivity, and we've been reading about Haggai, this is the New Year they took up. And in God's provision, uh, a lot of scholars, and, and I believe too, this is the New Year we're supposed to celebrate. And it just so happens that today, September the 25th, is the Jewish New Year. And it's the celebration of Rosh Hashanah. Yes. And what's even more amazing is the, Jew, the Jews, they didn't run by the, our calendar, they ran by the lunar calendar. And if you go back, to, back through the lunar calendar, they actually say that this is year 5782. 82. 82. 82 this year. We're moving into, we're moving into 5783. So it's 5782, and that means, if, if you know the calendar, that's 5,782 years since Adam and Eve, since I created. <laughs> what year is it? 5783, as of today. No, no, as, as of, <laughs> at the present point of time, it's 5782. So it's 5782. And, and, if, and if, because, because the Jews knew their lineage, they could trace their lineage all the way back to Adam and Eve. And every year, every number had a significance. So I'm going to go into those signif the significance of those later on. But it's when you look back through history and you look back at the significance of the numbers that came up during history, they actually align with very, very important events in history. And so we can, we can look back, and, and I'm saying a few things first to say, okay, this is true, this has been worked out, this has happened, this has happened, because if we know the future, if we know the past happened as, as biblically correct, yeah. then we know the future. Yeah, so the Bible can speak to our future as well. So it reminds us of our past, it's a guide for our present, and it shows us our future. And Jesus is the one who fills the full prophetic significance of every single fast in the Bible. Um, if you came from, from the culture back then, their fasts were all of, as we were talking, they were all feasts, but they're all celebrations of first fruits. And they're celebrations of first fruits because if you're from an agricultural background, when you sow your seed, and by the way, this is, this is a really good theme for us, for us to sow our seed. Because if you sowed a seed, you weren't going to get a harvest. And they were celebrating the harvest that was given, and they were thankful for God that the harvest they got in. And so some of the feasts were because of the grain harvest, the wheat harvest. And so they were always going to bring their first fruits in the season to the, to the um, feasts that they had. If you want to know anything more about the, 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 the feasts, the different feasts, they're all in Leviticus 23. Maybe you'd like to go home and read that. It's, it's, uh, it's really good reading, actually, because it shows you the structure of the Jewish ceremonies and what it, what it meant in Leviticus 23. So the first, the first feast that they celebrated was Peshach or Passover. The first few feasts, feasts that we have, and by the way, I'm no good at speaking Hebrew or Greek. I know you were right. It definitely is Passover 
yes. <laughs> so the, the, first, the first three feasts we're going to look at are in March, April, and May. Remember those, March, April, and May. And the first feast was Passover, and it was the foundation that all the other feasts were built on. And if you know the story about Exodus, uh, how the, the Hebrew nation was, was in Egypt, and God came and said, I'm going to set my people free. He had Moses come as his ambassador. Uh, Pharaoh was saying, no, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to set the people free. So there were, there were a whole lot of plagues that came upon, upon Egypt. But the last plague was that God said the firstborn of every household is going to die. And so the Hebrews um, had a plan that God gave them, was to kill a, a, a lamb without blemish and to, to put the blood above the doorposts and lintels and the angel of death would pass by, so it was Passover, would pass by their house and so everyone would be saved in that house. By the way, also too on that day, after they'd finished draining the blood from the lamb and using it as, as to go on their doorposts and lintels, they actually roasted the lamb. They put one upon it bitter herbs and, was it mozza? Whatever it was on the lamb. Mozza and bitter herbs. Yum. Can you imagine the smell in Egypt of all these, these lambs being cooked? Roast lamb everywhere. Would have smelled fantastic. And by the way, men, this is a plug. Men's camp. Men's camp next week. If you want to taste some lamb, come to, come to men's camp. Ladies not at home, man's camp. We're going we're to enjoy the taste, the smell of lamb all the way through that camp and then we're going to eat it at some stage. So a bit of a plug for man's camp. So in John 1, chapter 29, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Did you hear that? He was before me. Jesus was there from the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world, and he's going to be there after the, the end of the world. That's who Jesus is. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. So once again, they crucified Jesus on Passover. The same time they were crucifying Jesus, the Jews were getting ready, if not that time, they were sacrificing their lambs, ready for Passover. And Jesus at this, this moment in time, makes a bold statement, not just with his mouth, which he did say with his mouth, but also physically. As they're getting to, to, to celebrate a Passover that happened 1,200 years ago, Jesus comes up and says, no, I am the Passover lamb. And I'm not just going to have the angel of death pass over me, over you, just for one moment to save your physical bodies. I, I am actually going to die because the angel of death that could cause spiritual death is going to have no hold on you any longer and you're going to be set free from the curse of sin and death because I have offered my blood as a sacrifice to set you free. So the first Passover, the first celebration or feast was Passover, a powerful, powerful Passover. I wonder the regret that Jews felt felt later on when they realized what they'd done. You know, this is a sacrifice that covered all time. The sacrifice went back to the beginning of history and set people free. And it goes forward in history to the end of time setting people free. The one, the only sacrifice that had to be made. 
So Jesus comes and he fulfills Passover. Not just a lamb any longer, but the lamb of God that sets people free. A turning point in history. And we all know this verse. Is it on the back? Come on, can we all say it? Man, that sounded like the Presby Church I went to as a kid. (laughs) Can we say it again? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. John 3.16, that's the one. So the the first feast is Jesus comes and he offers his body as a sacrifice for us, that once and all we're going to be free from sin and death and be set free. So that is where you are now, everybody. If you've given your lives to Jesus and you're dead, and you're dead in, in him, then you're free this morning. You are free this morning. You are free this morning. You are free this morning. I didn't watch the AFL yesterday. Who watched the AFL yesterday? Oh, a couple, three. I did watch some of the union yesterday, and I didn't shout in Yahoo, but if I was in the stadium, I would have been on my feet shouting and Yahooing. And I wonder, shouldn't we be doing that this morning? Yes. Yes. (sighs) (laughs) The next one was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And in Leviticus 23, um, verses 6 to 8, it says, On the 15th day of the month, the Lord's Festival of Unleavened Bread begins. For seven days you must eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. For seven days, present a food offering to the Lord. And on the seventh day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. So do we all know what leaven represents? Sin. That's right. They were supposed to take the leaven out of the bread for the representation that there is no sin in this bread. And and if you all know what happens when leaven goes into bread, what happens? It rises. And have you ever known what happened when you let sin in your life? That's right, if you commit one sin, then you need another sin, you need another sin, and you need another sin, and you need another sin. And the sin never diminishes unless Jesus is involved. It always grows. It always takes control. It always ends up being this puffed up version of bread that's just full of stuff. But they celebrated leaven bread to get rid of the sin, to flatten out the sin. So, and I haven't got gloves now, but I I don't. So we've got some flat bread. Can you imagine? Because you're probably not going to ever, you're going to leave this place and you're going to say, what did he say? But you're going to remember leavened bread, unleavened bread. You're going to remember flat bread, the representation that the sin is gone out of the bread. There is no sin left. So so they they celebrated leaven, they, they, Feast of Unleavened Bread. So it was the, this act, this notion of sanctification for them all, that they were free from sin, they were morally right, they were holy. Once again, this feast lasted seven days, and so with Passover, the first celebration, this was eight days. Remember that, eight days. And this feast came from the Hebrews once again where they were leaving Egypt. And because they had to rush out of Egypt so quickly, they didn't have time to let the bread, the, the ye- put yeast in their bread and allow it to rise. So they left with unleavened bread. And the, the action was that they were leaving Egypt 
And as they're leaving Egypt, they're leaving the, the traits and everything that was put into them from Egypt, they were leaving it behind. The leaven was left behind and they were going to come heading towards their promised land with unleavened bread. So they were leaving everything behind. And so the same representation for us is as we come to, to Christ and we give our lives to him, we leave the leaven behind. We leave our sin behind. We leave it in Egypt. We leave it where it should be and we go and we head towards closer to Jesus being flat. Let's, let's just say we're all flat. There's no more sin left in our lives because Jesus paid the price. You know, the idea they had was that sin affects the whole soul. It's not just something we can let in a little bit and think we can still live properly. It, it, the idea was that when sin came in, it leavened the whole lump. And so, so for them, sin, sin was a, a, um, a strong notion, a very, very strong notion. And even though for us, I know we're, we've been set free, but even though we've been set free, and, and if you've been in ministry any length of time, when leaven comes in, it affects you. It affects you. And for me, it's God, it's, it's, it's coming to the cross and saying, God, even though I am set free, I actually have to bring it for you again and say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I have to make a choice to step away from that thing and to step into the place where the leaven cannot affect me any longer. And not just me, it affects my family, it affects the Gold Coast, it affects Australia. So Paul speaks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 to 8, and it says, Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Yet get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sac sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old leavened bread of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. See, Jesus was sanctified, so death and decay could not affect his body as he lay in the tomb. And he fulfills this, this feast because after Passover, he goes and he's, he's lying in the tomb and death could not take hold of him because there was no leaven in his body. Sin could not grab him any longer because he was a sinless sacrifice. And what's more is he broke the curse of sin and death because of the, what he'd accomplished and so the representation is because Jesus lay in the tomb and sin could not grab hold of him. That means for us, sin cannot grab hold of us any longer. As we die to ourselves and we live our lives in him, sin and death is broken. So we don't have to go through spiritual death because we have died to ourselves on the cross. We have died to where the old man has been put to death on the cross and the new man has, been, has come to life in us. And so the thought is, because of that, we do not have to die when we, do, when we actually do die. Because the sin has been taken away. You know, normally people, they have two deaths. One physical death, and the death when they meet Jesus. Hopefully it's not us. Whereas we've already died to ourselves, and so when we die physically, there is no death after life. It's just life and life eternal. So the next, the next celebration was first fruits. This starts two days into the Feast of Unleavened Bread. One day for Passover, two days into Unleavened Bread, three days total. Three days total. What happened after three days? 
Jesus rose again. First fruits. So far, Jesus has accomplished Passover. He's accomplished the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And now he accomplishes the Feast of First Fruits. He is the sum total of all, these, of all the celebrations that the, the, the Jews had. First fruits was the start of the barley harvest. And once again, they bought their first fruits because this was a barley harvest and they lived on the land. So they were celebrating, yes, we've got a great, great harvest this year, so we're going to bring our first fruits. And here Jesus comes and he walks out of the grave, much to the shock and possibly horror for the Pharisees, but for the shock for all his disciples who are expecting him to come to the tomb and to find him dead. And here he is alive. He is alive. He was the first fruits. The first fruits for us as we as the harvest that are going to accomplish after him are part of the harvest. That just as he rose from the dead, we are going to rise from the dead. Just as, just as he conquered sin and death, we are going to conquer sin and death. Do you believe that this morning? Do we believe it this morning? Yes. Yes, this is our faith. This is what we believe. Can I say, we believe in resurrection, not resuscitation. Resurrection is something new. Not just resuscitation, where the old man is still broken and we're, we're breathing some life back in it, but we're still half dead. But resurrection into new life. Old joke. By the way, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection. The Sadducees did not. So that's why they were sad, you see. So as we believe in the resurrection, shouldn't we, shouldn't we be full of life? Living life joyous? Because what can man do unto me? I've been set free. I am free. So 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 43. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead? The body that is sown imperishable is raised imperishable. That is going to be us. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. And this was Jesus. No, this wasn't Jesus. Us. It was sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Are you going to take that on? Do you believe you have power? Do you believe you have authority in Jesus? Do you believe that? Do you pray for the sick? And even though 10 might not get healed, one might. And why would we take the circumstances of missing out on the nine when one can be healed and we can celebrate in that? Let's just believe that I have power, I have authority in Jesus because I am in him. I am dead to myself and I'm alive in Christ. So will we take part? Will we take part in this harvest? Not just be part of the harvest, but will we take up our sickle and be part of the harvest for souls in this, in this time? Because I don't know if you, you think this or not. I believe this. I know Graham Val believe this because they send me this literature all the time. But Jesus is coming back soon. Jesus is coming back soon. I don't know what soon means, but I know it's soon. I got told it was soon when I was a teenager, but I still believe it's soon. And I still believe in being ready for when he comes back. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14, it says, Jesus is the guarantee of our inheritance until we require possession of it to the praise of his glory. Oh, I've got to go quickly. The next one is, is Shavuot or Pentecost. We were singing about that this morning. 
50 days after Passover, which Pentecost means 7 plus 7 plus 1. So seven weeks, so... Am I going to get into this? I've got to remember this. Seven is the perfection, so 7 by 7 is 49, plus 1 is 50. So they celebrated it the next day, and I won't get into the Jewish calendar, but they didn't, they didn't believe in us as... as is 12 o'clock midnight to 12 o'clock the next day. They believe from sunrise to sunset, so there was a day extra in between, and I'm not making any sense, but 7 plus 7 plus 1 is 50, and that's what Pentecost, so believe me. So this was the start of the wheat harvest, and once again they bring their first fruits to God. See that when they left Jesus, when they, sorry, not Jesus, when they left Egypt, 50 days later they come to Mount Sinai where they received the Ten Commandments. So he had taken Egypt out of them, the leaven, and now he's going to put something back into them. So he puts the law back into them, so they can live rightly. He puts the law back into them, Mount Sinai. And, and part of the celebration is they bring two loaves of bread together, one to show the Jews and one to show the Gentiles living as one under one Messiah. And it is amazing when you think of Jewish tradition, they were actually celebrating this even though they thought they were the special and they thought the Gentiles probably couldn't be saved, they were bringing this into their celebration. Two loaves, Jews and Gentiles, and together under one Messiah, they're saved. Jesus takes away our sin, he puts God's Holy Spirit in us. Amazing. And we probably all know this about Pentecost, but on Pentecost we all know there was as a flame of fire on, on, on every single head. And they're all full of the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues. Some people believe that those tongues were actually the languages, of the, which they were, the, the people that were out there at the time. 70, 70 languages approximately were in Jerusalem at that time. And it's amazing there were 70 languages put upon, put upon the, the disciples to speak those languages to every single person that was there. So they could all understand. And I'm speaking quickly. Go back Go back to the first Pentecost, or the first Shavuot, where they came to Mount Sinai. And they saw fire on the mountain. But they didn't just see fire on the mountain, they actually heard the voice of God. And this isn't written in the Bible, but it's written in one of the midrashes, or Jewish commentaries that they kept. And it says when they, they heard the voice of God, the thought was, and some of them, according to tradition, actually experienced this. That they actually saw the words of God leaving the mountain. And they saw the words of God going round the camp. And then after the words of God left the mountain and went round the camp, they actually saw them as, as a fire landing on every single person. And it is amazing we come to Pentecost. And what happens? We see tongues of fire upon every single person. Not just in tradition, but now this is reality. This is the, the, what Jesus accomplished. And now the Holy Spirit is coming and he's anointing every single person for ministry. Yeah, come on. You know, at Sinai, they broke covenant and 3,000 people perished. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell and 3,000 were saved. Yeah. He flipped history in that one moment where instead of living under death, they were now living under blessing because Jesus came and he offered a sinless, the sinless sacrifice for us. And it is amazing that they split these, these tongues of fire into just 70 different tongues because even in Mount Sinai, with the, everyone coming out of Egypt, 
they, a lot of them spoke in other tongues, and they, so they said the word that was spoken from, from the mountain actually had to get deciphered into other languages so they could all understand. I don't know if that's true or not, but I've read that. shouldn't say that, but that's what I've read. So it was fully accomplished in Acts 2. For it says that it shall come to pass in the last days, God says, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream, dream dreams. So Jesus fulfilled these three feasts. And these feasts, once again, were in March, April, May. And then there's a gap. There's a physical gap from that moment to the next feasts. And the next feast that is accomplished is Rosh Hashanah, which is today, September the 25th. And if you notice, there's a gap between the first block of feasts that were accomplished to the next block of feasts that are going to be accomplished. One of them was in spring, and these ones are going to be in autumn, which just happens to be in September and October for us. Our spring, their autumn. So the three feasts that are yet to be fulfilled are Rosh Hashanah, which is today. The next feast is Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. And the last one is Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. And all of these, Jesus is going to accomplish. All of these, Jesus is going to be involved. So for this next feast, which is Rosh Hashanah, this is the head of the new year. This is where the, the, the Jewish nation celebrates their new year. So for us, it's stepping in tomorrow, and I'd like for us to examine ourselves a bit today because just as they examined themselves and they, they, they bought, not New Year's resolutions, but they left the sin of the last year behind and they stepped into the new year, maybe that's something we should do this morning. I, I, don't, I don't know if, if you've noticed how tough it's been the last few years. So, so there's... there's their celebration of, of Rosh Hashanah started with 10 days of reflection and repentance. And then that leads into Yom Kippur. So this is the time where they go through reflection and repentance to, to, to make sure they're going to leave the past year behind and step into their new year fully. In Numbers 29, chapter 29, verse 1, it says, On the first day of the seventh month, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. It is a day for you to sound the trumpets. And we had, we had a... Shofar, a trumpet, let's call it a trumper. Trumpet, not trumper, trumpet. Which I'm not going to blow because I ain't got one and I wouldn't blow it anyway. But it was going to be here on the table and we forgot it. So they would blow a trumpet. They would blow a trumpet many, many times, up to 100 times a day. All had three, three types of blows for different significances. And it was a day where they, they celebrated the authority of, G, of God but also because of that and the holiness of God, they left their sins behind. I think I got halfway through this verse, didn't I? It is none of the day when God sits on his throne and judges his people. Isn't that amazing? Even back then, it was known as a day where God sits on his throne and judges his people. See, the Jews remember about Abraham and Isaac. And they remember that, that uh, Abraham, when he was taking his son if you don't know the story, go back and look at it because I can't go through it all. But Abraham was going to offer up his, his, his own son to God, which back in those days was probably a fairly common occurrence. But he wasn't going to do it because this was, this was the, the son that was going to breed a new, gener new generation, the sand of the seashore down his lineage. 
And when he's going to sacrifice his son, God speaks and there's a ram caught in the thicket. And so they blow a ram horn to, to remind themselves of the, of the sacrifice that was given so they don't have to, to offer their sons any longer. They don't have to die any longer because there's a sacrifice that was given for them, which in our case is Jesus. Once again, he fulfilled the feasts. Not just believing about a, a, a lamb any longer, but now it's the lamb of God. Trumpets are blown. This is, this is a prophetic stance to herald in a king. And, we, and the, in Rosh Hashanah, there is a king that is going to come back. And, and we all know that the, the queen has, has died and we looked at the pomp and ceremony. Well, we all know there's going to be a coronation of a king. And trumpets are going to be blown. As the king comes in in England, how much more will the trumpets be blown when the king comes back to the earth? The king of kings, the lord of lords. You know there's going to be a trumpet sound in the heavens? And we're going to go up to meet him in the clouds of the air. We all know the scripture. So Christians believe that the Messiah has come. The Jews are still waiting for the Messiah to come to, fulfill a, to create a physical kingdom. Whereas we know our Messiah has come to create a spiritual kingdom. And because of that, we can, when we die, we are, going to, we are going to go to live with him forever in his kingdom. See, in Matthew 24, chapter 30... Chapter 24, verse 31, it says, And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the earth, heaven to the other. See, the world is waiting, we are waiting, for Jesus to fulfill Rosh Hashanah, just like the other feasts. Now, as I've, as I've said, Jesus has already fulfilled the first feasts. I'm asking you the question. Do you believe he's going to fulfill the next feast? Do you really believe he's going to fulfill the next feast? And if he came and if he fulfilled those feasts the day, it was actually on the day of Pentecost that he died. I'm sorry. Passover he died. It was the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell. Do you believe that this could be the day when Jesus comes back? What would happen if you knew that he was coming back this afternoon? Would you party? Would you be happy? Would you be scared? Would you be a bit of both? Because to be a big God of me, I'm, I'm probably a little bit, little bit of both. Do you know when that trumpet blows... That you're going to go up to meet him? What would happen if this was the day? Because if, if, I'm, not saying this, I'm not saying he is going to come back on Rosh Hashanah because no man knows the day and the hour, but he came on those days before. So, I don't know. Maybe it could be this day. Are we ready? Because we wait, but we're active. Because if we believe in the accomplished work on the cross... We have been set free, Passover. He has removed the leaven from our lives, unleavened bread. We've been resurrected into new life, first fruits. We're filled with His Spirit, Passover or Pentecost. And now we're waiting for Rosh Hashanah. We're in this, la this, this waiting zone between spring and autumn. This time gap, but He's coming. Are we ready? 
Are we going to be part of that harvest and are we part of the people who are going to bring in the harvest for Jesus? See, once again, this is the day when the the Jews or the Israelites or the Hebrews would stop and they'd look back at the past year and they'd say, what do I need to do to step into the new year whole? And I don't know what you've been like, but the last year, the last couple of years have been pretty tough. And the thought is to leave all that stuff behind to leave the old deadwood behind and step into the new. And are we willing to leave all the deadwood behind, the pain, the disappointments of the past few years, and to step into all that God has for us? From 1 Corinthians 15, 52, it says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be tra- changed. So they ate pomegranates. And pomegranates has many seeds, and so they remembered the many blessings that they had, but also, too, of the many blessings that they had, but also the harvest of many pomegranates. They also ate apples to show fruitfulness. And they didn't just ate an apple just to show that they were fruitful. (laughs) They actually poured honey all over it just to to say that what we're going into this new year is going to be sweet. It is going to be sweet. I'm going to carry something sweet into the new year. I'm not going to walk into the new year in my disappointments and my pain and my hurt, but I'm going to come into this new year with something sweet in my mouth, getting ready for for the next year. They also ate challah bread. And it's it was a bread that once again was sweet. It was a bread that was sweet and it was actually had honey poured all, all over it to make sure it was sweet. And the challah bread that they had was round. And there was a reason why it was round. Because they realized about the patterns of life. The Jews believed in the cyclical nature of the Bible, the cyclical nature of humanity, the cyclical nature of of times and seasons. They believed, and if you look back through the Bible, they believed that as, as a nation, and you'll see this over and over and over again in the Jewish nation, they were blessed. And after they were blessed they fell into laziness. When they fell into laziness, they became entitled. Because they're entitled and they left God out of their lives, they were judged. And we we all know the judgments. We know Haggai where they'd been taken away to Babylonian captivity and they were coming back to the promised land. And when they were judged, they came back. And after the, because they were judged, they fell into repentance and said they were sorry. Then after repentance, They were restored yet again, and then they stepped back into blessing. The cyclical nature that shows from the round bread they were eating to remind themselves of what stage in that cycle they were in, and maybe they were in many stages, but of which cycle they were in personally, which cycle, part of that cycle they were as a nation, but also which part of that cycle they were in history. And we know from looking back in history, we can watch it nations, nations. 
Nation after nation, civilization after civilization, falling to the same pattern, the same habits. Oh God, let us not fall into those habits. Let us live into a place of repentance and a place of blessing, restoration and blessing. And I pray for us personally that we're going to live in that place of blessing. And, and when we fall, when curses come our way, when things go away, we don't fall, we don't step away from God, but we fall into the place of restoration where God can come and pour his blessing out upon us yet again. This is Rosh Hashanah. So once again, the years since God made Adam and Eve, 5782, that's last year, and it's amazing. When you look about the, those 5782 and what it means, it says, it's a year to let go will be released, to let go of the things of the past as there is much that has happened. Isn't that last year, the last few years? And when they go back, it's called a Shemitah year. When you go back through history, those years are associated with stock market crashes, with wars. And the idea was, because those years were tough, as you step into the next year, you're going to leave all that stuff behind. You're not going to carry the baggage of that year, but you're going to step into the new year. And 5783, or by 5782, first of all, it's represented by the mouth of the sun, a year of faith and not fear, even in the pain. We're supposed to walk by faith and not fear. And the next year, it says, it's a year of retribution. It's a year of overflow and abundance. And retribution, not in a bad way, but retribution, where God is going to show us retribution. He's going to pour out his blessings. He's going to pour it out upon us as we choose to step into the new year. Walking with bringing our first fruits. Multiplying being covered in honey so that when people see us, they're going to want to be like us because we're so, we're just delicious. <laughs> Eat us up. <laughs> see, when the enemy comes in like a flood, in, comes in, sorry, like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against it. I believe that is going to be next year. Are we going to walk out in faith for this next year? believing that God is going to do something amazing in our lives this next year. We're not going to allow the old year to pull us back, but the new year we're going to step in. So we're going to, get, we're going to mix up a bit of Rosh Hashanah and a bit of communion this morning. And even though this is Rosh Hashanah and we're looking at this bread, and I'm doing this because it's COVID, We're going to go back to the, past, to the sacrifice, the Passover sacrifice that Jesus made. Are we going to go back and we're going to remember this morning, not just the Passover sacrifice that was given, the bread that was broken for us and the blood that was shed. And maybe this isn't exactly what we meant to do, but it's what we're going to do. Are we going to remember too the Feast of Unleavened Bread where the sin has been taken away? And we are, we are free. Are we going to remember the fact that the tomb could not hold Jesus and he was born again to new life? Are we going to remember Pentecost where the Holy Spirit was poured out upon us? So 
when he came before his disciples, he broke bread and he gave it to them and said, do this as remembrance of me. Well, this is sweet bread because we're not just going to eat bread this morning. We're going to remember sweet bread because this is a new year. Can we imagine a new year that's going to be sweet? We're going to carry all that God has for us into this new year, something sweet. So team, who's going to come and get this one? So he broke the bread. I wouldn't just put it in your hands. Yeah. Yeah. And so he broke it. You can break that. Go for it. So as we take this this morning, you know, we just sang a song about. spirit being poured out when they were in that room praying for all that time all they knew was that their saviour was dead and they'd heard rumours that he was alive again, some of them had seen him and they'd been told to wait and we have waited since Pentecost till now for Rosh Hashanah to, to actually be fully be accomplished and I don't know whether it's going to happen this, this Rosh Hashanah or it's going to be the next one or the next one or the next one. But are we ready for Rosh Hashanah, for the return of our Savior? Are our households ready for the return of our Savior? Are our neighbors ready for the return of our Savior? Is our city ready for the return of our Saviour? So as we eat of the sweet bread, we have so much to give. We have so much to share. He's given us new life. Abundant new life. Can we just be so thankful? Is there many others that need it this morning?
So God, as we, we stand here this morning, God, we bring ourselves before you this morning. And God, Lord, I, I, I pray that the light, Lord, of your countenance would come upon us, Lord God. And we'd realize, Lord God, what disobedience and sin actually does, Lord. And we make a choice, Lord, this morning yes. to step out of those things, Lord, and to step into all that you have, Lord. That just as Rosh Hashanah is celebrated, Lord God, we would leave behind the things of the past, Lord God, and step into all that you have for us, Lord God, symbolically this morning, Lord, as we take the sweet bread. We step in, Lord God, to the loving arms of a loving Savior. We step into the authority and the power that you've given us. We step into the mercy and the grace and the compassion that you've given us, Lord God, that we would be the sent out ones to get ready, Lord, for that, one, that, that great trumpet blast where everyone is going to hear and everyone is going to see. Rosh Hashanah, heralding in, Lord, the return of our Savior. Let us never forget that, Lord, I pray. So, Lord, I ask, Lord, that that blood that was sacrificed on Passover, Lord God, would come and cover us completely. That the leaven would be washed out of our lives totally, Lord. And God, we would step into that and raised up to new life and you in a new way we've never thought before, Lord God. And Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come, Lord, and baptize us with fire individually, Lord, I pray. That we would step into all that you have. I ask in Jesus' name. Just take it this morning. morning. Can we all stand? Because it says in, in Revelation 6, then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters. And like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to wear. That's us. Then the angel said to me, write this, for blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. If any of you would like prayer, the altar is open. Nick, it's yours. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com 
www.ptc.com.au.